When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is our two a Wildcat Insider, Mitch Fortner and the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson, A.J. Shaw, and uh, John Grove running our board today. The phone number is 537-1350. Phone lines are open the rest of the show if you want to call in and give your thoughts on uh, on the Cats heading forward into this Saturday's game as we'll be taking on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Cats 3-2, and two, Red Raiders 3-3, three and three, and winners of three straight. Um, It's three straight, right? No, it's... Is it two of the last three? Or is it three yeah, straight? Two, two, and a, two of three. Okay. Yeah. My bad. Um, but again, the phone number five three seven thirteen fifty. Why and I will uh, take your calls if you feel like calling in. Uh, we'll get more on uh, K State. We'll get Texas Tech preview coming up here in a <clears throat> excuse me few moments as well. Um, you know, I haven't been able to really even look into much of this or even get into it any research. Although I've looked into it before. Uh, word out there on the street is that Gonzaga now back in talks of uh, joining the Big 12 for some basketball and some other sports. Yeah, that and so many other things. But but there are people that are talking about that this is going to happen with Gonzaga. Uh, don't know that I can say with 100% certainty that that is ac- accurate and 100% true. But I think it does uh, have some legs to it. I don't think there's a whole lot of question that Brett Yormark wants to have the best basketball uh, conference in the country. And if you think about adding, you know, a Utah, a Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, then maybe Gonzaga. I mean, (laughs) I read today that Gonzaga is probably – I can't remember, but I think it was like the seventh most watched program in college basketball right now from a rating standpoint. That's crazy. And Arizona's in the top ten also. So those would be pretty good ads. Yeah, I saw it reported. Uh, your mark had a meeting, meetings with presidents and athletic directors from across the Big 12 and, and made the pitch again. And like, this is why we need to add Gonzaga. Gave a bunch of numbers and whatever. Um, maybe he's also like, boy, our football product's not looking too great right now without uh, Texas and Oklahoma around. So uh, maybe we start to double down on this basketball thing. What do you guys think? Well, I, I, I kind of get it, and I do think you know that that the league is. I think I think most are starting to think it's a little bit l- l- down from what it was last year. But think about what it was last year. It was pretty good. Yeah, to college football. Yeah. TCU, your representative in the college football playoff. K-State K- is, a, is the champion, plays in a New Year's Six Bowl game. I mean, Texas, they they were okay. Uh, now, it was an off year for Oklahoma. <laughs> yes, it was. There's no doubt about that. I think Venables but, has uh, redeemed himself a little bit so far this year. Well, he he's the flavor of the month in Oklahoma right now after Saturday, for sure. 
and and they are I'll be honest with you they looked really good to me in in from the standpoint of I mean they always have good players but I felt like they played really hard and really fast and very tough and physical would you agree with that yeah, yeah. oh I mean, yeah they they were there for business and I thought they were really good at the line of scrimmage and I thought that that was where they would if they were going to struggle a little bit, maybe it was there. So anyway, there's a lot going on though in all of college athletics right now. With I mean, we started this conversation about Gonzaga, but there, are, I mean, there are people out there that think this may end up being three power leagues before it's all said and yeah. done, and not the power five anymore. Crazy. Well, uh, of course, when we learn more about the Gonzaga situation and you know the thing about conference realignment it happens fast as soon as that word gets out there that maybe something's brewing as we learned with the Colorado uh jumping ship from the Pac-12 to the Big 12 uh it happens really fast well so. it does especially if you don't have a a current contract for next year for sure and you can just go from one to the other it, it's it's like i'm not even sure how to equate it but that rarely if ever happens you know, Oklahoma and Texas have had to wait a little bit, as an example, and then there was a year that was shaved off of that. That's kind of the norm. Jumping from one year to the next, like like what's going to happen next year, is all because of, I'm just going to be blunt here, the ineptness of the Pac-12 commissioner in, in letting that happen. That's a, that's a travesty. Well, I'm sure we'll talk more about it uh, this week here on the show. Um, meanwhile, it's- Wildcat Insider, and of course the Cats coming off that loss, 29-21 to Oklahoma State, a game that K-State never led in the game. They were down 10 nothing after a few possessions. There was actually a time where the first eight possessions of the game for K-State, they only scored once, which if you gave me 100 predictions, I was not going to predict. K-State scoring only once on their first eight drives of the game. They had multiple opportunities to but things, uh, for whatever reason, just didn't work out from turnovers to bad snaps on a fourth down, leaving some points out there on the field. Um, I told you this during the break. I just feel like, you know, and I hate these kind of shows where you're just 99% negative and you want to, you know, in a way, if you can, spin it into a positive thing. I mean, my positive is just, you know, I hope the anger from this team, you know, that is what's now going to result into improvement and maybe the improvement that they didn't find during the bye week why did you I mean leave Stillwater with any positives or where would you say your optimism is right now after now two rough performances on the road and when I say rough just you know not getting the job done well it's a good question it's a little bit difficult to answer because I'm no different than most okay disappointed in what happened last Friday night. Also, I think, I, I guess if I'm, if you're really honestly looking for a positive, for me, this is, this is what it's going to be. I think this is a team that has good leadership and good character. And I think that they will be motivated by what happened. And I think we'll see them get back to the grindstone and work this week and hopefully put a pretty good performance on the field Saturday night in Lubbock. That's that's what I take. I don't know that you can take a ton of positives out of the game itself. Maybe the defense and how they competed 
most of the night a little bit shorthanded, well, quite a bit shorthanded in, in some mm-hmm. ways, and yet they forced a bunch of field goals, blocked a field goal. I mean, they they competed, but it was a frustrating game from a, a special team standpoint and an offensive standpoint. And I will say this. I know we're going to talk about Tech a little bit later on. You better be better be strapping it on for them special teams-wise this week. They're good. The phone number is 537-1350. We have a call. Mark. What's up, Mark? Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Hey, I just wondered if you guys uh, have been – I listen to your show every night. Thank you. And we're just bring, uh you know, we talk about Will Howard, and, yeah, he had a terrible game. But I think we ought to talk about play calling a little bit by the offensive coordinator. Okay. Uh, Tell us what you're thinking. uh, The play calling at Missouri was pretty poor. Uh, Third and two, and we throw a one-yard pass. Uh, You know, we're just – it just looks pretty poor. And that's all I'm saying. Okay. I mean, we talk about Coach Kleiman, and, yeah, you know, I get – we're going to put it on him, and he's going to take it on him. But I think we got some real issues on the offensive play calling. All right, Mark, I appreciate your call. Um, you know, my thought there is I, I actually I hear him about the Mizzou game. I thought some of the third down calls, and you know, and maybe it was some about the performance as well, not running the deep routes that you're looking for, but it was a bit conservative for the situation. Um, for the Oklahoma State game, I don't know if I really had too many play call issues. I mean, K-State going one for four and fourth down, and I, I figured some of the criticism would come from going on some of those fourth downs, but I didn't have really any issues on that decision-making. You know, I, I, play call-wise, though, I didn't have too many issues against Oklahoma State. I think, Mark, is, it's an interesting call because I do believe there are people out there that that feel like that this is something that – they want to talk about, and that there is something to it. I I will kind of reserve judgment until I go back and watch the game with OSU, and I have not, unfortunately, done that yet. But I will, but I haven't. Uh, the The third down call that I believe he's referencing in the Missouri game, I think you can question that. That's that's fair, you know, and that's what makes football so great and yet so frustrating, right? I mean, it, you see your favorite NFL team on Sunday, too, on a third and eight, run a six-yard out route or, you know, an in-cut or whatever. you got to get more depth than that, yeah. you know? Um, so, but it's easy to sit in the chair, you know, in the stadium or in front of the television and, and say all of that. They're, at least from my perspective, the game, the game is hard. But I, I again, I think he made a good point on that. But I do want to reserve. Uh, let's let's revisit this next next Monday because I'll I'll watch again. And, and I, but like you, first glance, I would say, I don't know that there's necessarily anything there that stood out to me. Like mm, why why there why, why call that? I, I just don't have any of that in my head right at the moment. Well, very few times have I thought since Colin Klein has taken over as offensive coordinator that I 
would criticize his play calling or really question, you know, why would did we do that here and those kind of things. That that hasn't happened for me too much. The Missouri game, I think I think Mark was on the spot there a little bit. I did have some of those. There were a number of times that I did not like the third down play call. Okay. I thought it left us well short of the sticks, did not give us an opportunity to get get a first down. With the Oklahoma State game, again, I re- watching the game for the first time this afternoon, there wasn't a whole lot of me thinking, man, I didn't like that play call. I, I go back to what I said in the first hour. Most of my frustration was just execution and effort. A lot of third downs, it was it was attacking the sticks, unless it was four down territory, but there really wasn't a whole lot of that kind of play calling where they're like, all right, let's go for a, th- a medium play and then set up the fourth down play to go get it. There just wasn't that those kind of... Uh, scenarios the third downs where I thought tacking the sticks for the most part it was just some of the effort I saw the wide receivers and sustaining going to block somebody or running the routes the offensive line sustaining their blocks or protecting Will and then Will's decision making I mean nobody had themselves a great game other than maybe some you know I thought Treshawn Ward and and DJ Giddens were running hard other than that execution was It left you wanting a lot more, a lot more cleaner play. Well, I'm going to give you a couple of numbers here to try to augment what you're talking about. Going into the game on Saturday, K-State on third down conversions was second in the league and eighth in the country, almost 55% conversion rates on third down, 31 out of 57. In this particular game against Oklahoma State, you want to guess what they were on third down? You, You mentioned earlier they were one of four on fourth down. Oh, boy. I want to say they got maybe five, maybe five, maybe six out of 16. That's it? Six of 16. Oh, that was a guess. <laughs> well, maybe you should buy a lot of tickets. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Hear that Powerball jackpot's up there. <laughs> yeah, I'd say. But that, yeah, I guess, again, maybe that's just trying to, to point out what you're saying there, that there's always going to be questions about play calling. If I'm being honest, especially I, I, when it's not going, well. I think they do yeah. that. Well, sure, and and let's let's get to it. It wasn't going very well the other night. You just talked about K State and what they did in their first seven or eight drives, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they started that drive the other night, and remember when that game started, they had scored on their opening drive in every every game this year. Didn't come close this time. So. Again, I can, I can, everybody's going to question it when you get beat. That's just what it is. Right. I mean, that's a, a typical thing to and, and, attack. And, and it and really I'm, is. Again, I'm not saying anything wrong about it either. I mean, that, that's, that's, I guess, the thing. When you don't have success, people are going to question that and probably should. Again, I mean, while you're talking, I was trying, because I thought, yeah, I was right. You're right. Why, like, Mark, he brought up a good point because, like, we haven't honestly talked much about play calling this year. And, you know, after the Mizzou game, I, I was left, you know, wanting more ag- aggressiveness. I thought it was too conservative against Mizzou to give yourself a good shot to go win that game. You know, well, the hard it, part, though, I'm just being honest about this. It's, it, <laughs> when you think about what K-State had done, I mean, I, I understand these aren't all conference games. But 45 points in the opener, 42 against Troy. You scored 27 on the road at Mizzou, 44 against UCF. Going back to last year, 
those I think I think with uh, the two final regular season conference games and the UCF game, K State was above forty in all three of those games. Kind of hard to criticize the play calling when you're doing that, but when you score twenty one and lose twenty nine twenty one, going to get some questions. So. I thought of a couple of plays in the Oklahoma State game that maybe Mark could be gravitating towards as bad play calls. Okay. There were a couple of third downs where they ended up being check downs. There was one early to Phillip Brooks at, you know, you need eight yards and you get three. Um, but I think that was also just good coverage by Oklahoma State. Will was feeling the pressure, had to get rid of it, and it turns out to be just kind of a, you know, just not a well-executed play, and he just had to get it somewhere, try to give – fill up a chance to make a play and the play wasn't made if I were to go any criticism with the decision making I'll just go where I'm kind of confused I don't know if we've really touched on this yet but the fans wanted to see Avery Johnson play Um, and he has not played in the last couple of weeks Will Howard throws three interceptions it was before the third interception you know I was reading some of the criticism and some of the complaints where's Avery Johnson play Avery Johnson I, I I've just been thrown off a little bit about he plays in the Missouri game, does pretty well in his four or five carries, and now he's MIA the last two games. So, you know, maybe that's a question for Tuesday. Oh. You know, moving forward. It certainly will be asked. What is, what's the Avery Johnson plan? Is there a better chance of seeing him now? Is there any quarterback controversy, which I would think there's not. I mean, this has been a four-year process for Will Howard <laughs> to get to this spot. So... It's not just going to be giving up that easy, handing the reins over to Avery, but maybe the leash is a little bit shorter. I don't know. It's hard to tell. Yeah, I, I think the subject will be approached tomorrow at Coach Kleiman's press conference. Um, probably going to be asked about it more than once this week, honestly. And I understand. Believe me, I've, I've seen Avery Johnson. <laughs> I understand why people want to see him play and, or at least get some opportunity. Um, I think they've they've tried. I don't want to speak for the coaches here, but I think they've tried to, you know, bring him along uh, quickly, and yet, you know, not kind of throw him into the fire. Fire. If if you, it's it's one thing to have a, a really big lead in the opener, and and you cut him loose a little bit. Um, I, I kind of felt like right or wrong. I. I would you have played Avery Saturday night? Well, I'll go back to what Chris Kleiman said after the game. I don't know if he said it to you, but he said it to the media that, uh, and he was very open about it, that yes, they they were, he and, they talked about it. and Colin were discussing, do yeah. we now put Avery into the game or mm-hmm. give him something like a run or something to just get this spark for the offense? And, and they just decided not to. Um, you know, maybe it had something to do with the crowd or the, the situation, but they just decided not to. And like... I, I hear that. I, I honestly do. Like, you just throw them into the fire, and you're down seven or eight points, and now you're going to try to win the game where you put your freshman, true freshman quarterback into the game. I mean, a lot can go right, but also a lot can really go wrong. And so that, that's quite the debate, really. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people, the easy answer is, oh, yeah, throw him in there. He's one of your best athletes. And I totally hear that. Sure. But because that, you know what? That part we know. That yeah. is a that is a certainty that he's one of the best best athletes on the team. But like I said earlier, I mean, this has been quite the investment for this coaching staff <laughs> on Will Howard. Sure. You just don't bench him like that. But 
I, I would have liked to see him play a little bit, a run or whatever, just kind of mix it up with the offense, throw something else out there when you have, yeah. and you put your best, you know, one of your better athletes on the field. And I don't know if even benching is the right terminology here. I, I, I think it's more about do you, you know, do you pick what you believe to be the right time to give Avery another opportunity? He has had, you know, a couple of games played. They can go up to four in the regular season with him and still maintain the red shirt. And I, I just wonder out loud here if that's still in the back of their mind some. I don't, I don't know that for sure. Um, I think they've gone back and forth on it in their own minds. And I'm speaking now specifically of, of uh, Colin Klein and Chris Kleiman. And, and I kind of I get it, don't you? I mean, I don't think we started this season thinking that that uh, Avery was going to play a lot and or supplant Will Howard as quarterback. I don't think anybody thought that. So it's kind of a tough, tough situation. Again, I'm not sitting here saying that they shouldn't give him some opportunities because I think they should. And I think they probably will. Right. I, I, I didn't want it to sound like they should bench Will, like use the oh, word bench is yeah, and put Will Howard on the shelf exactly. and, yeah. and give the reins yeah. to Avery Johnson. It's just not going to happen yeah. that fast and, and that easily. I mean, they got to protect Avery Johnson as well. And also, Will Howard is the guy. He has earned this opportunity. Let your first string guy who's been in the program for four years get you out of the mud. And he almost did, but he did make some mistakes. So I understand some fans wanting Avery Johnson a lot more right now. But let me let me be clear about this. This is not 2006. This is not Dylan Meyer versus Josh Freeman. You're not in a bad spot like you were in 2006 where you absolutely needed the spark. It's This is not the same situation. Um, so like I said earlier, I hope that the anger that Will went through this past Friday and is now trying to get over in this week's preparation – turns him into an angry player that wants to take it out on Texas Tech and the rest of the schedule. I mean, I hope that's the big difference. Yeah, I I don't know how much (laughs) – it's interesting phraseology because I I think you let that stir in you for a little while, but now the mad needs to go away and you start locking in on, okay, what do I have to do and what do we have to do to get ready to go win a football game on the road on Saturday night in a real hard environment. And I think that's what – Will's been around here a while. He'll, he'll handle that okay, I think. Cat's going to face another blackout. It's going to be another sold-out crowd. It's <laughs> going to be another night game Yes, sir. for the Cats. It's going to be the third of what's going to be now four in a row, as in two weeks it'll be a 6 o'clock game against TCU. But this Saturday, 6 o'clock against Texas Tech, and Wine and I will preview – We are back, Wildcat Insider, Mitch Fortner, Wyatt Thompson, and uh, feel free to call us, 537-1350, put a, you know, 785 in front of that, and you'll get our direct studio line. Right now, John Grove is on the board, uh, but now we get set to uh, preview the Red Raiders of Texas Tech. It's opposite of what K-State has dealt with, and maybe K-State just cursed in Stillwater. I mean, that, that might be the easy explanation. Uh just can't get the job done in Stillwater. It doesn't matter how good or bad the teams are. 
it's a tough place to go win. You need a, a four-touchdown day, it sounds like, from a player to, to go win a game down in Stillwater. But it's been the opposite in Red Raider land. K-State's won eight to the last nine uh, in this series. And um, Texas Tech is a weird prediction. All season. They've been a weird prediction because they've played a weird schedule. But they are also a dark horse for Arlington. Tough start, losing to Wyoming in overtime, Oregon at home, bounce back against Tarleton State. You lose at West Virginia when the Mountaineers had to bring in a backup quarterback, and then you win two straight against Houston and Baylor. This will be K-State's start of five straight games against teams from the state of Texas. So, Wyatt, let's, uh, I'll let you take over here of what stands out to you about the Red Raiders winning two of their last three. What I will say is, let me start with this first, right or wrong. I think as we look back now on their start, a double overtime loss in Laramie and a loss at home 38-30 to Wyoming, those two teams are pretty good. Wyoming's ranked in the top 25 now, just clubbed Fresno at home. Yes, they did. Uh, they're, they're, they're good. And then we know what it's like in, at, at Morgantown, and West Virginia has proven that I think that they're, you know, and are they Oklahoma or Texas? Maybe not, but I think they're, they're pretty good. So I think their schedule has been representative. Now, here's the, here's the thing that I'll, I'll say about Tech. And, and I think the reason that they are in a situation where they've won two of their last three, at least in large part offensively, is as simple as running the football with Taj Brooks. He has been terrific. As a matter of fact, looking at, at his numbers, think about this for a second. He has rushed already in six games 114 times. He has averaged six yards per carry. He's averaging almost 115 yards a game. So he has been it. The next guy in the rushing category that isn't Tyler Shuck, who's now lost for quite some time with a broken leg, is Cameron Valdez with 17 carries. That's as opposed to Taj's 114. He has been a workhorse. He's an interesting. Have you seen him lately? I mean, he's 5'10 and 235 and runs really hard. Their offensive line is pretty good. And I think <laughs> Baron Morton is, is, I think, an okay quarterback, but he's not Tyler Shuck. And I think they've just said, okay, we're going to run the ball. We are going to run the ball. And they did run the ball at Baylor. That, they, they rushed it 42 times for 186 yards. That's 4.4 per carry. It's, it's not eye-popping, but it's pretty winning football. They have enough guys in the receiver core to scare you a little bit, too, whether it's Bradley, Price, you know, name the guy. Um, those, those guys certainly stick out, but they, they have others, including a couple of tight ends that are pretty good. I just think they have committed to running the ball, and offensively they're solid. Not great, but solid. Now, we get to the defense. <laughs> They're kind of old over there, aren't they? Well, right off the top, you look at their depth chart, and Jalen Hutchings and Tony Bradford have been there forever. They have been, they're going to have five letters earned by the time they're done after this season. That's a lot of football. In addition to that, most people that would follow this would probably know that the names of 
the safety, Dadrian Taylor-Demerson and Malik Dunlap, a corner. Those guys have played a long time, too. So it's a veteran defense, and I think they're playing pretty good right now, too. So it, it'll be a challenge. You want me to tell you about their special teams? Please do. You, you teased me earlier about it, so I'm looking forward to hearing this. Well, I don't know if I have all of those numbers in front of me, but they're right near the t- – pull up the Big 12 stats, would you? And Because I think they are either first or second in the Big 12 in both punt and kick returns, and they have maybe, if not the best punter in the country, he's in the top two. McNamara has been there forever. So Dre McRae yep. is just one of two players in the Big 12 right now with a kick return for a score, and he's averaging 32 yards a return. And then punt return, uh, they actually don't have anything listed for Texas Tech on the Big 12. Yeah, but that, that's um, just individually. Right. Yeah. But I can tell you this from a team perspective here. Let me get, let me get to that if I can find it here real fast. This day and age, if you're around eight or nine yards per return on punts, that's pretty good because you just don't have many opportunities. You know what their punt return average is? Now, albeit just four returns, 22.8. Don't like that. And Miles Price has got all of that. He's got 84 yards on four returns. That's pretty good. I, I can't stress this enough, though. I don't think we'll be fighting the wind like you do there when you go sometimes. But Austin McNamara, listen to this. He's punted 23 times this year. His average is 48-7. He's had 12 punts of 50 or better. 12 of the 23 have gone for 50 or more. That's crazy. What's also interesting is Tech has only uh, attempted three field goals. So far this year, they've made all three. Well, part of that is they're 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 doing a pretty decent job scoring touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, a, what a, a weird start. They seem to be a 50-50 team against Baylor. It was a shootout against Houston, and then their defense that looked pitiful in the first half Boom. is locked down in the second half. West Virginia was a, a real low-scoring game, and I wasn't expecting that. 20-13. to 13. And then they nearly beat Oregon. They had opportunities to beat Oregon, and Wyoming looked like the much better team, even though it was an overtime game. But should remind you here, and you can blame Tech for this if you want to, but what people forget about that game, they led Wyoming 17 to nothing to start the game and lost in double overtime. I, yeah, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, You're right. Going back to my original thought, Texas Tech is a weird team to predict, game totally. in and game out. But what needs to be talked about is the last six quarters they've played, they've dominated. It's Baylor and Houston, but they've dominated. And now they're playing at home where Joey McGuire's been pretty good at home. Not so great on the road, but he's been pretty good at home. And that's a bit of a worry because now you're going on another tough environment if you're going to Lubbock, you'd rather play at 11 a.m. than anything else because they're kind of famous for showing up late to games, does the Texas Tech fan base, especially if the team was 3-3. Three and three. I mean, maybe the crowd isn't in so much of a factor, but they are going to be. The place is sold out. It's a 6 o'clock kickoff, blackout. It's going to be a ramped-up environment to take on the defending Big 12 champions. You mentioned Baron Morton earlier. I, I got to say, when I've, I watched him play a little bit this year, a little bit last year, he's looked good. 
I'm surprised that Texas Tech, even whoever is at quarterback, hasn't been better in the passing game. That has been a bit of a surprise. But their numbers are actually similar to Oklahoma State. So, I mean, numbers-wise, offensively, they're not too far off from Oklahoma State. So even though you mentioned in the run game they've been with Taj Brooks really good, you know, stats-wise with their offense, you may kind of have to throw those out the window because Oklahoma State, who was the worst offensive-efficient team heading into last week, looked pretty good at times. Sure. So, again, this might be another, like I said last week, for K-State, it's more about what they do right and what they do wrong versus what they make Texas Tech do right or wrong. Um, but also turnovers is a factor as well. You, you can't go on the road and not force turnovers and expect to you know, have a great chance of winning games. It's just stuff you have to do. And that's what K-State did so well last year. didn't matter where they were playing or who they were playing. They could force turnovers. And they took care of the ball much better last year than they, did the, than they are this year. So to me, it could be that simple. Turnovers. Well, they've only lost two fumbles this year. And they've only thrown six picks. That's one a game. So they've been okay in that area. I, I, I just think they're a pretty good team that's really tough at home. I mean, it's just, if, if, if you've never been there, it is a crazy place, especially at night. I'm telling you, man, there will be thousands of, of people in, that, in those seats that are just, I don't know what you want to say. They're going to have plenty of alcohol in their blood system. Let's, let's say it that way. And it's going to be crazy. How's the booth there at Jones AT&T Stadium? Is it comfortable? In a good spot? One of the best in the country. Is it really? Oh, yeah. Good deal. Yeah. What's the worst? Ever or just right now? Uh, well, I was going to say Big 12, but you can give me ever. <laughs> well, I might say the worst I've had at Division One. Uh, in my time at K-State would have been the old facility at North Texas. Oh, yeah. Right, the, the last game before their new stadium opened? Yeah. 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 It was a little bit lacking. Um, but I think at the top of the league now, and again, I haven't – I've been to BYU, so I won't count that. Uh, Houston, not been there. UCF, not been there. Cincinnati, not been there. But out of the of the teams that we're familiar with um, – you could pretty much give me Baylor and Tech about every time. Iowa State's pretty good now since they moved us down uh, and into a better better situation. Um, Baylor's Baylor's facility is wow, crazy good. TCU's facility is very nice, but not where they put us. <laughs> <laughs> not not great. I've learned doing PA. Uh, you know, I've been. Down on the field, ground level, few rows up, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I've been up north 30 where I do the PA announcing. I'd rather be up high and just look straight down. I think it's easier to watch things unfold. And Well, you got to do yourself a favor before you do too many other things in life. You need to go, when we, when we play for the first time at Arizona State, you need to go to Sun Devil Stadium and, co- and go to the radio booth. I've been there. I've been to that stadium. I was at the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl. Oh, my God. But you're, you're in the heavens, just yes. about. Yeah. Or it's, the mountains. I was visiting with my counterpart at Oklahoma State the other night because they just had played there earlier this year. And it's, I said, is it still in the same spot? He goes, oh, yes. And it's like 10 stories high. It's really hard. 
Well, let's take our last break, Wyatt. When we come back, Week 7, Big 12 action. We'll take a look at the games next. All right, back for a final time on Wildcat Insider. Mitch, Wyatt, John, AJ. We finally have a good Thursday night game. I feel like Thursday night college football has been garbage this year. Uh, we got a Big 12 matchup, West Virginia and Houston. You know, West Virginia coming off a bye. I, Mountaineer is only favored by two and a half. You know, I'm, I'm going to give I'm going to give West Virginia more respect than that um, because they're four and four and one, two and zero in Big 12 play and. And they haven't had the toughest schedule, and it's not like Houston is any tougher than what they've already played. I think if they can beat uh, Texas Tech, Garrett Green's back. He's now going to be a lot healthier with the bye week. I expect a big day for West Virginia. Well, certainly I think that you have to favor them slightly, even on the road. Uh, but with that said, you have the Dana Holgerson effect here. Uh, former coach at West Virginia, now at Houston. Oh, that's right. That will be that. kind of an interesting uh, storyline for sure. Um, I'm not sure what to say up and above and beyond that. Whether I, I don't know that I have an opinion on whether that's a good thing for Houston or not. Um, I think they're a pretty decent offensive team. But as you said before, they just they just went up and down the field in the first half in in uh, Lubbock a couple of weeks ago, and then really almost did nothing in the second half. So I'm going to say somewhat close, but I'm I'm going to take West Virginia there. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Saturday, 11 a.m. FS1, Iowa State at Cincinnati. Cincinnati is a favorite at home. It's probably because they're at home. Although Iowa State two and one in Big Twelve play. They just knocked off TCU. Cincinnati's still looking for their first Big 12 win. Is it against Iowa State? I think possibly. I, I don't know if I would go that way. If I were to pick based on Vegas, I'm probably going Iowa State. Well, keep in mind when they played host to Oklahoma, Cincinnati I'm talking about, it was 20-6. to That kind of sounds a little different now after seeing Oklahoma against Texas Saturday, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, that's just that's that'd be my take. I'm not saying Iowa State doesn't have a chance because I think they do. They're they're probably at three and three and two and one better than I think people thought they were going to be, even as, as little as two weeks ago. Uh, for me, Cincinnati can run the ball, but this is more about what can they do to have some balance because against Iowa State and their defense. They can't just try to run it fifty times. I don't. I don't think that's going to work. They're going to have to, and they're going to have to have some success in the red zone where they've really struggled. Let's see what else do we have on the docket. We have at two thirty on FS1 Saturday. Well, Oklahoma State just hosted K State. Now they host KU, the twenty third ranked Kansas Jayhawks are now five and one and two and one in Big Twelve play as Oklahoma State now one and one in conference play. Uh, KU listed as a three and a half point favorite right now. You know. I'm not going to count out Oklahoma State anymore, but I tell you what, the what KU did against UCF, impressive. I mean, that's going to be tough for Oklahoma State to stop that running game because they are they were, they were very electric. Well, we do know this. I don't know a lot of things, but I know Jalen Daniels didn't practice today. 
Uh, don't know if he'll be available by Saturday or not. But as we said earlier in the show, Jason Bean has been solid um, in, in his stead. I, I, I understand why KU is, is favored slightly, and I think they're probably the team to beat here. But again, just being in Stillwater, I'm anxious to see how they respond um, because they really were challenged going into the K-State game, and they responded. Can they do it? Can they put back-to-backers together? To me, that's that's a real key. And then the last one is I'm actually very intrigued about this, um, you know, kind of from a religious uh, point of view here because you got the Mormons versus uh, <laughs> the uh, Texas Christian universities. Yes. Um, BYU and TCU. Um, you know, TCU now playing without Chandler Morris. That's, that's the big key here. And with that, TCU is actually a five-point favorite at home against a veteran quarterback in Keaton Slovis. That is interesting because without Morris, they're going to lean on freshman Josh Hoover, who did an okay job. I think he was 11 of 19 for roughly 160 yards coming in uh, in the third quarter when Chandler Morris went down. BYU is a tough physical team, though, uh, defensively, and I think this will be a really tight game. I could see it going either way. I I really could. Who do I like? I'm going to slightly say BYU, slightly, just and in part because of the quarterback position. Yeah, I mean, with that, I mean, I don't. It sounds like Chandler Morse is going to be out for a while. That was yeah. the report. He's going to be out for a while, so that most likely affects the game in two weeks. K State and uh, TCU, which does kick off at six o'clock, um, but no Chandler Morris most likely. Uh, in that game. But that's going to do it for Wildcat Insider. I want to thank Wyatt Thompson for stopping by once again, and I want to thank our board ops, AJ and John, and I'm Mitch signing off. I'm going to miss the show tomorrow, but I'll be back with you on Wednesday. It'll be Troy and, and David G tomorrow from 4 to 6 here on the game. You're the Red Raiders when we come back on Wildcat Insider.